Delicious meets nutritious in the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios. Each one-ounce serving of wonderful pistachios has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value and making wonderful pistachios one of the highest protein nuts. But perhaps more than that, I love all of the flavors they have. Their sea salt and vinegar ones are my favorite when I'm craving that flavor but want to keep it healthy. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. Wonderful pistachios come in a variety of flavors, like chili roasted, honey roasted, smoky barbecue, and jalapeno lime, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. Whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. So fill up with a healthy snack when hunger strikes. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. That's wonderfulpistachios.com. This is Optimal Health Daily, episode 2210. Biggest Marathon and Half Marathon Training Mistakes by the Freeform Fitness Team of freeformfitness.ca. And I'm Dr. Neil Malik, your host and narrator. Hello, happy middle of the week Wednesday, and welcome back to Optimal Health Daily, where I simply read to you from the best health and fitness blogs for free. And on Fridays, I answer your questions. You can send one in at oldpodcast.com slash ask, or just send an email to health at oldpodcast.com. Now today's Wednesday, and I like to share a little bit of inspiration with you every Wednesday. So with that, here we go. Quote, you can often change your circumstances by changing your attitude. Eleanor Roosevelt. All right, and with that, let's get right to today's post and start optimizing your life. Biggest Marathon and Half Marathon Training Mistakes by the Freeform Fitness Team of freeformfitness.ca. Mistake number one, discounting the importance of the weekly long run. For the half marathon and marathon, the weekly long run is one of the most important components of training. The adaptations that take place physiologically and psychologically during the long run are critical in helping the runner complete the race distance as well as helping the runner achieve a goal time. Key adaptations that take place with the weekly long run include 1. Increased storage of muscle glycogen. Glycogen is the primary storage form of carbohydrates in the body, and the amount of glycogen the body can store is limited. In a typical person, there is enough glycogen present to fuel about 2-3 to three hours of moderate exercise. When glycogen stores get low or they run out, the runner hits the wall and will struggle to finish the event. However, glycogen stores can increase as a result of training, and stores improve significantly as a result of including long runs each week. 2. Improved psychological ability to handle the race distance. With each weekly long run, there is an improvement in the runner's ability to mentally tolerate exercising for long periods of time. And 3. Improved ability to absorb and tolerate the pounding the legs will take during the race. Feet, joints, tendons, and muscles are all gradually strengthened over time from the overloading they receive from the weekly long run. Many runners who fail to finish a marathon do so because of leg pain and discomfort, resulting from the weight-bearing pounding over those 26 miles. 
Robert Chapman, Director of the Human Performance Laboratory in Indiana University School of Health, Physical Education, and Recreation, and coach of Brook Team Indiana Elite, recommends taking a long run once each week, starting early in training and at about 20% of overall weekly volume. From there, athletes in the half marathon should aim for a minimum long run distance of 8 to 10 miles, ideally completed at least twice before their race. Marathoners should aim for a minimum long run distance of 15 miles, completed at least twice before the race, with at least two long runs of around 20 miles being ideal. Mistake number two, selecting a race without considering the weather or lifestyle needs for training. Most marathons are held in the spring or fall because of the milder temperatures in the northern hemisphere. Most experts recommend a training buildup of 10 to 16 weeks for most experienced runners prior to a marathon, perhaps a few weeks less for a half marathon. For athletes who select a spring race, this will mean completing a large portion of their training during the thick of winter, where cold temperatures, snow, and ice, and limited daylight hours can all have a dramatic effect on the quality of training and motivation for completion. Runners with work and family commitments who have to train in early morning or evening hours may find preparation for a spring marathon challenging. For athletes who select a fall marathon or half marathon, the bulk of the training load will come during the heat and humidity of summer. For most runners, training in extreme heat is more challenging than training in cold weather, where additional clothing can easily be worn. While it may be considerably easier to get runs in during early morning or late evening hours, Summer is typically full of family vacations and weekend outings that can make sticking with a rigid training routine more difficult. In the end, when deciding on a marathon or half marathon, each runner should take a look at not just the time of the year of the race, but the logistics of how well they will be able to complete their training in the three to four months prior to the event. Mistake number three, failing to practice the race day routine. After weeks and weeks of training, many runners end up failing to finish or meeting their goals, often due to some simple, small detail that was overlooked regarding race day routine. Here are some examples. Not being used to running in the early morning when most races start. Logistics such as bus departure for the race start, parking, and proximity of race to the hotel. Breakfast decisions such as what and when to eat. Clothing, shoes, socks. Will they cause chafing or blistering? uncertainty about the sports drink provided by the race and whether it upsets runners' stomachs, and shoe choice, a newer pair or an older pair. Many of these questions can be worked out during weekly long runs, such as clothing and breakfast choices. Runners can also contact race organizers for details about sports drinks and then try out the drinks during training. The weekly long run is not just an important component for training adaptations. It's also a great dry run for the race. And mistake number four, starting the race too fast. Three athletes who Chapman coaches qualified for the U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials, and another won the Columbus Marathon in her debut at the distance. In all four cases, the athletes executed a negative split strategy, where the second half of the race was faster than the first. Based on the paces completed in training, runners should have a strong idea of what pace they are capable of executing for the race distance, with slight modifications based on changing race day conditions, such as weather. Once that pace is determined, 
Chapman recommends a conservative approach, especially if the goal is simply to finish the race. Even if a runner has a goal time in mind, a conservative negative split approach will often lead to best performances, typically without the late race discomfort that normally accompanies a more aggressive pacing approach. Starting out at a conservative pace can often be a challenge with the excitement of the race start, the bands and music, and even fireworks that are present when the gun fires. However, the most common recipe for disaster in a marathon is going out too fast. You just listened to the post titled Biggest Marathon and Half Marathon Training Mistakes by the Freeform Fitness team of freeformfitness.ca. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it filters out incompatible applicants. So when you're hiring, the process is much faster and you only have to consider applicants that are already likely to be a great fit. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com health. Just go to indeed.com health right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com health. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Dr. Neil here for my commentary. I'll be honest with you. I have never completed a marathon. I've never even completed a half marathon. The most running I've done in one session is a 5K. At this point in my life, I don't have an interest in training to run any further than a 5K. Now, that may change someday. So while it may seem like I couldn't relate at all to today's article, I actually could. Specifically, mistake number four starting the race too fast. I finished quite a few timed workouts, not necessarily running workouts, but just ones where you're racing your fellow classmates. And I've made the mistake of starting the workout way too fast. One time, I was in a group class, and I started the workout so fast that by the middle of it, I started to get that dreaded, nauseated, fainting sensation. I thought by slowing down, it would pass. Nope. I had to actually stop my workout, lie down on the gym floor in front of everybody, and elevate my feet on a bench. That's just so I wouldn't throw up or pass out in front of everybody. Luckily, by doing that, the sensation passed, eventually. Sadly, I didn't recover fast enough to actually finish the workout. Oh, and by the way, if that ever happens to you, where you start to feel faint or nauseated during a workout, of course, stop, but something that does help is to lie down and elevate your feet. Anywho, moving on. I didn't recover fast enough to finish the workout, and since then, I have definitely learned my lesson. So I would agree with Coach Chapman and say it's not worth getting caught up in the excitement and starting out a race too quickly. You could always pick up the pace later if you have to. All right, that'll do it for another edition of Optimal Health Daily. Thank you so much for listening, and I will be back tomorrow, so I'll see you there where your optimal life awaits.